Oh, that's 12 point. Uh, yeah, you're all in trouble. No. <laughs> uh, Lord, thank you for meeting us in this place. Lord, as we seek to hear your voice, help us to differentiate it from amongst all the voices that clamor for our attention, even the ones that are distracting us now. Help us to come to you with open hearts that you might speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Lately, I've been reading books about, um, well, that's not even true. I've been listening to audiobooks because I rarely have time to sit down and read. Um, I've been listening to audiobooks in the car about uh, people who got lost in the wilderness. I just finished listening to a book about a young boy who got lost on Mount Katahdin up in Maine. This happened in the early 1900s, and he just got lost in the fog and took a wrong turn, dipped down off the trail, and was lost for several days, a number of days. I think it's called Lost on a Mountain in Maine. Really good book. And um, it's an interesting book because uh, he's very frank and open in his writing. It's an autobiography of what happened to him. And in his darkest moments when he felt the most lost is when he also felt the presence of God most strongly. And he very specifically writes about that in this book. It's not a Christian book. He's just telling his story. And God is just as real to him in this story as are the rocks and the trees and the dangers that are all around him. And um, when he's despairing, when he gets injured, when he feels lost and alone, he prays. And he knows that God is with him. And it's really a wonderful story, wonderful account. Anybody ever been lost like that? Yeah. Yeah, you don't have to be lost, you know, 26 miles from the nearest road in Maine to feel lost like that, do you? We go through times in our lives when we feel completely lost. We might even feel like God has forgotten us or that uh, the only thing that's around us is darkness. And we're questioning everything that we used to know and believe about God because we say to ourselves, well, where is he? Why is this happening? What is this mess that I found myself in? St. John on the Cross wrote about that dark night of the soul. Ever heard that before? Yeah, it's worth, it's worth going through and, and doing some reading on that because let me give you the cliff notes on that. Uh, he actually decides that through the process of walking through the darkness, he's closer to the light of Jesus Christ for it, because it pushed him towards the light. <clears throat> when all else fails, when everything seems like it's coming apart and falling away, the one true and certain constant that never changes is God and the truths found in his word. So during the sermon today, I have a basket of the promises of God found in Holy Scripture. Feel free to take a few of them out of here and then pass it to the next person. And uh, hang on to those. And if you need more, I have one for each day of the year. <laughs> promises of God. You know, in the gospel lesson today, <clears throat> Jesus brings to bear the most powerful weapon that we have 
against the lies and the deception of the world, the flesh, and the devil. This is one of my, my favorite passages of Scripture because it shows us an example how Jesus deals with temptation. Every single one of us deals with temptation. It's a very common thing in the fallen, sinful human condition. And we do not have to give into it. We might feel like we're in the wilderness and God isn't there, but we do not have to give into it because the Lord has promised us that he will be with us in the midst of everything. I want to talk through the gospel lesson with you today uh, a little bit. If you have it in front of you, feel free to turn to it. It's Luke chapter 4, verses 1 through 13. So Jesus has this beautiful moment. He's baptized, right? The Holy Spirit descends like a dove on him. It's a turning point in his life um, where his earthly ministry is now beginning in many respects. And it says, after his baptism, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan, and immediately he's led into the wilderness by the Spirit, where for 40 days he is tempted by the devil. There are some things that we can learn about dealing with temptation and feeling like we're in the wilderness and that God doesn't see us by the way that Jesus deals with the different kinds of temptations and interactions that he has. What's the longest you've gone without eating? <laughs> Not very long for me. <laughs> 40 days. Right? He ate nothing at all during these days, and when they were over, he was famished. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become a loaf of bread. So, Jesus has not eaten for 40 days. He clearly says that here. Okay? And Satan comes at him at perhaps his most base point of weakness okay he's hungry <laughs> and not only does he come at him at that point of temptation but he calls into question his identity have you ever had your identity as a son or a daughter of the king called into question am i really that or i actually feel worthless i actually feel like you know my name is not worth anything I'm not worthy, I'm a sinner, I can't believe I did that. Satan is calling into question Jesus' identity, if you are the Son of God. It kind of sounds familiar, doesn't it? Go back to Genesis. Did God really say? <laughs> That's the first question that Satan asks mankind. He's, he's calling into question the truth that God has spoken into our lives and trying to cast doubt on it. And undermining it. But Jesus sees through it. And he says, it is written. One does not live by bread alone. Or a man does not live by bread alone. <clears throat> Jesus doesn't say, come on devil. I'm King Jesus. I'm just here for a while. Leave me alone. He gives us the example of answering the temptation of Satan with the word of God. Okay? The word of God is powerful. It's not just something that was written down a long time ago that scholars put together. It's the real deal. 
Um, if, if you have your Bible, turn with me <clears throat> to Hebrews 4.12. Some of you might know this by heart. I don't know. I'm going to read it here. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the vision of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. The word of God is powerful. If you bring it to bear, it releases things in the heavenlies. It's not just reading words on the page. Answer these things with scripture. The next temptation. Then the devil led him up and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And the devil said to him, to you, I will give their glory and all this authority for it has been given over to me and I give it to anyone I please. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. So I don't know. I sort of get this head picture, you know, of Jesus seeing all these different powerful kingdoms. Maybe he's seeing their armies or their wealth or their palaces or, you know, all this stuff that could be his. And it's not just stuff. It's all of the power and influence that goes with it. It's the gratification of all those base, earthy, fleshy desires <laughs> that could have come in. I think that lust was probably part of that temptation as well. Um, and he has to essentially subvert who he is as the king of glory and worship the evil one to get that. So again, Satan is attacking Jesus at the level of who he is, right? Jesus is, is the king. He is going to rule and reign. When he comes back, it's going to be on a white horse. You know, it's going to be an awesome, glorious moment. And Satan was tempting Jesus to give up all that. In this moment, when he's hungry, maybe physically, it's affected him. Satan thinks he's not going to be able to make the best decisions. He's coming at him from the side now. Okay, instead of head on. <clears throat> the next one. Third one, then the devil took him to Jerusalem, placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to protect you. And on their hands, they will bear you up, so you will not dash your foot against the stone. So again, Satan is attacking Jesus at the heart of his identity and saying, prove it to yourself and to me. You really think this is real? You know, Jesus just had this moment where he was baptized. The Holy Spirit came down like a dove, right? The voice from heaven, this is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. It's this awesome mountaintop experience, and then right into the wilderness, tempted by Satan. It's the end of 40 days. How long does he have to bear with this? And now <clears throat> Jesus answers this and says, It is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Satan attacks, he casts lies, he casts doubts in our hearts about who we are, about who God is, about who we are to God. I saw this great bumper sticker one time. It's always, it's always, I've always remembered it. It says, when Satan reminds you of your past, remind him of his future. 
right? That whole lake of fire thing, you know, it's not going to be good for him. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so how do we engage this? I mean, maybe you're thinking about times in the wilderness that you've been in. Maybe you're in one now. And you're wondering, where is God? Why am I even sitting in church today after what it feels like has happened to me? Scripture gives us some really specific ways to be able to address some of this. So I'd like to turn with you to Ephesians chapter 6 just briefly, if you would. If you have it, you can pull it up on your phone. We're going to look at starting at verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. And then it goes on and lists some of the armor of God, which is another sermon for another day. But someday we'll get to that because um, <clears throat> it's important. But the point is that a lot of times the things that come at us in the physical realm, like, for example, Jesus' hunger, right, is it's actually a spiritual battle. It's a spiritual temptation. It's a spiritual attack. And we're so used to looking at things through our physical eyes that it's not the first thing that comes to our mind to think about for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against authorities. Okay? So when some temptation comes up for a physical sort of fruit, what is the spiritual root to that in our lives? How is Satan trying to use something that we are weak in to tempt us to fall away into that temptation and into that sin? James 4, 7 is another one we need to take a look at today. I'm going to start actually at the, the verse before. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. When we take ourselves off the throne of our lives and stop telling God that we know how to do it better, then he is able to act in power on our behalf. When we submit ourselves to God, then we can resist the devil, bringing to bear the name of Jesus, and he flees. And then 2 Timothy 1.7, I know this is a bit of a tour, but... Um, this is important. Second Timothy one seven. For God did not give you a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. Fear is not something that comes from God. It is something that the evil one uses to cast doubt in our lives. 
to distract us, to take our eyes off of what God is asking us to pay attention to and to do. And when we start having circumstances in our lives, the fruit of which is fear, then those circumstances become suspect. They might be real, physical circumstances, but the evil one will use those to take our eyes off the Lord. And God calls us to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. So no matter what is going on in our lives, no matter how lost in the wilderness we may feel, no matter how hopeless it may seem, no matter the political scene, the world geopolitical challenges, wars, rumors of wars, all of these things that we're seeing happening in the world around us now, some people think that we're headed for a giant economic collapse with all the inflation that's happening. We don't know what tomorrow holds, but we do know that Christ Jesus holds tomorrow, that God is still on the throne regardless of what's happening around us. And, you know, we will need to be able to, as followers of Jesus Christ, apply the promises of Scripture to our lives because there may be times in our future where that's what we've got left to hold on to. <clears throat> on Ash Wednesday, this past Wednesday, the start of Lent, we talked about um, habits, things like that in our lives, and establishing new ones. Do we have habits of submitting to temptation? Do we have habits of saying, okay, I know God doesn't want me to do this, but I'm going to gratify the flesh and do it? Do we have habits of not trusting God? Do we have habits of falling into fear and allowing loss and despair to overwhelm us? We have 40 days to set some new ones up in our lives if we will apply the promises of God. I don't know what scriptures you pulled out of the basket. They were all different. Hang on to them. Maybe they apply in your life. I don't know. Maybe the Lord will apply them in your life. If you want the whole set, 365, I'll email it to you. <laughs> uh, you can have a promise a day. Um, on Wednesday evening, I shared, and, and for those of you that are here this morning, sorry, you're going to hear it again. But... <laughs> um, Early on, when the gospel first came to Africa, uh, folks that came to faith in Jesus Christ would go off and they would pray in the bush. They, would, they had a special spot that they would go to every time where they could go and be alone with the Lord. They would go and they'd pray. And they did it so often, it was such an ingrained habit as they were growing in their spiritual lives and things were healthy that the path was a well-worn path. And when someone started to maybe have distractions or fears or whatever the case may be that, that took precedence in their hearts and in their lives, the path became not so well-worn. And, and another brother or sister in Christ could say to that person, brother, grass grows in your path. <laughs> so I'm inviting you this Lent to pray and ask the Lord what new holy pathways for life he is inviting you to engage in. How will you bring the word of God to bear in your darkest places, in your darkest moments? And if you see a brother or sister who you've been praying for and it seems like there's grass in their path, 
Reach out to them and encourage them and lift them up because we are in this together. You know, we are brothers and sisters in Christ called together in this place at this time and the Lord wants to move in our midst. And we're supposed to encourage each other. And when we've lost sight of it, hold out the light to one another. Lord, thank you for the season of Lent, for the time to slow down, for the time to consider those things we need to let go of. Lord, for those of us that are caught in a wilderness place right now, we cry out to you. Lord, hear us, see us, hear our prayers, be quick to answer. Lord, when we find ourselves in a place of temptation, I pray, God, that just as fast as that temptation is there, that your Holy Spirit would be even faster with a promise from your word that you would bring to our heart, that we would speak out with our lips, that would put the works of the evil one to flight. Lord, we pray that we would have spiritual ears to discern the voices of the world, the voice of the evil one, from the voice of your Holy Spirit. That we would remember that Satan comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but that Jesus came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. Lord, forgive us for the ways that we've stopped trusting you. Lord, forgive us for the ways that we've turned our back on you. Maybe we've just given up on you because we feel like we're alone. Show yourself strong in these times, God. Surprise us by your grace. Speak to us in mercy. Lord, as we pray together, as we come to your table today, pray that you would minister to each one of our hearts by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Are there any joys or concerns to share today? <clears throat>